It's your boy Kyle flying solo tonight. It had been such a nice start to the college football season for me. Then Saturday happened. So to make myself feel better, I will comment on WWE's Clash at the Castle. Yes, what better way to get myself out of the college football doldrums. Now, I think it's funny that a show which was supposed to be an homage to SummerSlam 92 ended up reminding me more of SummerSlam 93. Uh, by the way, if you're a patron and haven't already done so, please check out Top Rope Nation's review of SummerSlam 92 at 2 hours and 45 minutes. It was a real deep dive and a fantastic review, if I do say so myself. If you're not a patron, what are you waiting for? But back to the task at hand here, and to be clear, I'm not going to complain about Drew McIntyre losing earlier today. That'd be hypocritical. After all, it was on our preview pod that I said he would and should lose. Go back and check the archives. But the singing bit with Tyson Fury afterwards was definitely Drew's Lex Luger moment, going back to the SummerSlam 93 analogy. He might as well have been right back up there on the Steiner Brothers' shoulders. Also, sorry if this offends, American Pie is bad. And Roman and Fury shaking hands? That was odd. Uh, I will laugh very hard if it comes out that they wanted Fury to KO Reigns, but Roman said, it doesn't work for me, brother. Uh, just was a very awkward deal, I thought, there, where Fury got in the ring, had the big face off with Reigns, and then they shook hands, and Fury just went over to console Drew. Very odd stuff. But I've used this phraseology before. The end of this show was very much a window into the soul of WWE. What do I mean by that? Well, that 20-plus minute match you were just invested in? Fuck that. Here's Tyson Fury, a big star, and he's singing. And that's what matters here. Some people will not be bothered by the aftermath. I get that. And there's a pretty strong chance that those people like WWE a lot more than I do. But this isn't their podcast, is it? No, it is not. Now, for the most part... Turn around, be positive here for a little bit. I did think Drew and Roman had a very good match. The start was phenomenal. The idea of a title change was plausible, and there was a big fight feel. And I really did enjoy how Roman was selling the atmosphere, uh, having an adverse effect on him. That was good stuff. But I thought the interference slash interruptions that took place during the match, which ranged from humorous to ill-timed and sometimes counterproductive, uh, there's some stuff to pick apart here, okay? Interfering first was Karrion Cross, who threw a water bottle at McIntyre. It was odd, uh, weird. Go back and watch the match, and you'll see that the heat died down for a bit right after they showed Cross on the screen that he was the one who threw the water bottle at Drew. Now, I did laugh when Drew told Cross to shove the hourglass up his ass. I know Frank Pettiani. Number one New York Giants fan. He was also amused by that. But uh, Cross, who the crowd figured might get involved in this match anyway, it was kind of a distraction right after where people were like, okay, well, Cross is here, so he's definitely getting involved. But then he wasn't. He was persona non grata the rest of the way. Between that and the water bottle toss, 
felt like small potatoes in the grand scheme. I don't know if that's what you want to do with a guy who allegedly is going to be positioned as a main eventer moving forward. He was just kind of a forgotten body in this whole deal. Uh, Speaking of a forgotten body, Austin Theory coming out with a briefcase was one of those moments that makes you go, oh, no. Uh, But he was KO'd by Fury in an effective spot. I think Theory's pretty mid, been pretty vocal about that. Nothing new to you, the listener here at Top Rope Nation. So quite frankly, I don't really care about the fact he was made to look like a buffoon again. But I do find it humorous that a guy WWE fans were saying is the next Cena is now being booked like the next Sean Stasiak. Remember, he lost convincingly at SummerSlam. This is being theory. Uh, He was taken out like he was nothing when he came out for the Reigns-Lesnar main event at SummerSlam, if you recall. He loses in the pre-show of this card. There was a six-man tag uh, with he and Alpha Academy against um, Street Profits. And oh, goodness, who teamed up with the Street Profits? I can't even remember now. It was the guy who got the pin. Oh, well, whatever. He lost. And oh, it was a Madcap Moss. Madcap Moss? Uh, But, you know, and moving forward... Theory's probably going to be putting over Johnny Gargano in a town near you. It's Theory. I know. Who cares? And I'm actually kind of hoping that he's the first guy where the year simply expires and he never gets to cash in. Uh, Certainly, he's never going to cash in successfully on Reigns. But again, it's funny to see, you know, just how small time Theory has been booked under this Triple H regime. I don't know if that's a sign of things to come for him. Again, I was pretty critical of when he was being pushed. I don't think he was over to the level of his push. Maybe this is just some recalibrating, but, you know, again, it's theory. Who cares? But let's talk about the big news here, the finish of Reigns McIntyre. Of course, it was Solo Sokoa that proved to be the difference maker, breaking up the pin that the crowd thought was going to be the three count. Where was the video package, asks Raj Geary. Oh, no, he didn't. He actually uh, celebrated Solo Sokoa showing up uh, on Twitter, one of the chief bad faith actors, but you knew that. Uh, You know, why did Solo Sokoa's entire Wikipedia page not appear on the screen instantaneously, Raj? Uh, I'm sure you're going to be tweeting about that in the next 24 hours, uh, just as if you would uh, if it was AEW. I say that, of course, very sarcastically. But in all seriousness, Sokoa, obviously a natural fit for the bloodline. Uh, The heat would now seem to be between he and Drew, though. Will beating Sokoa be Drew's revenge? Certainly, if he didn't beat Reigns here, he meaning Drew, he certainly never will. So it's kind of interesting that they chose to bring Sokoa up in this spot. If it was Cross that costs Drew the match, then obviously that would be a natural feud, and it would pull Drew away from feuding with the bloodline, and you could just then you know, distance him from Roman. But here, you know, okay, Drew's, obviously his character should be pissed off at Solo Sokoa. So if he beats him, presumably, I mean, does that not naturally lead to another title match, which he's probably not going to win? These are questions I have. Just wanted to share them for you. Uh, In the end, WWE fans see Reigns as the company's biggest star, as they should. Let's just wrap up these main event thoughts here. Uh, They're going to probably get over this loss pretty quickly. Uh, As for the UK fans, my God, if one night only didn't kill this town, and I use town in quotes, uh, nothing will. For the record, if Reigns had done a Shawn Michaels impression with a post-match promo calling Drew's wife my sweet, that 
would have been a lot better than the fucking Don McClain karaoke hour that we got. Mm-hmm. I saw this tweet. Uh, I did not write down who tweeted it, but I thought uh, that it was IVP videos. There we go. Uh, but from that account, and I thought this was a fair assessment of the main event, quote, can't sacrifice a long-term plan for a one-night pop. The problem was they built the match too well. Hmm. What do you think of that? I thought, like I said, fair assessment. Um, in terms of star rating, I'd go three and a half or three and three quarters on the main events. I think that's, you know, it'll be interesting to see what other people give it. I think there's going to be people who are a lot higher than that. But um, again, I think the match did have some flaws. So it was very good. Um, that's three and a half stars. So let's move on. Drew losing probably would have been more palatable had Sheamus won the Intercontinental title earlier in the night. As I said, he should have. Tremendous match between he and Guther. Maybe the second best WWE match I've seen all year. I know Justin Joint got a chance to watch this. He texted me. He loved it as well. So it's not just me. Uh, for the record, Cody and Rollins, Hell in a Cell, uh, would be the best WWE match I've seen all the year. All year. So... All you people who think I'm too tough on Seth Rollins, there you go. I think he was in the best WWE match of the year, but that's pretty much all that I have to say nice about him. Uh, back to Sheamus and Gunther, it was far more physical than your average WWE match. Gunther, in particular, delivered an incredible performance here. Sheamus winning and thus completing the WWE Grand Slam was a story the WWE audience really wanted to be told, though. And again, they did not get it. When you couple this with the main event booking, that's where you're going to start to see the criticism. I don't think Roman and Drew, you know, analyzed in a vacuum, aside from the rest of the card, is the end of the world. Although I hated the aftermath. But when you combine the booking there and the the booking here, and I know, yes, Seamus is from Ireland. That's not the UK. But he clearly was, I, I don't know if this is a correct term, but like an adopted son of this crowd. Like they very much wanted him to win. And I don't know if it was the, you know, I mean, Gunther also European, obviously. So, uh, but it might have been the Grand Slam deal. The crowd clearly wanted, though, Sheamus to win the Intercontinental title. They clearly wanted Drew to win the unified title. Drew, for a lot of reasons, and we talked about this uh on the preview show, uh, Ryan and I, uh, on the flat, last flagship, Top Rope Nation, I think there were a lot of reasons it didn't make sense for Drew to go over tonight. But Sheamus, look, long-term, Gunther is someone who should be pushed more than Sheamus. But a loss here would not have hurt Gunther in the least. He's not going to be as big a star as Roman is. He's just not, even though I really like Gunther. And him losing and then winning it back in a few weeks was the right play. That's the key. It's not that I'm saying, oh, well, you know, people will say, well, then what? You know, you want Sheamus to win? You know, you always complain about the same old, same old getting pushed. No, I think he should have won here. It would have thrown the crowd a bone. And then Gunther wins it back, maybe in a similar fashion to how he won it tonight. How he won the match tonight, I should say, not the title. Uh, maybe even you could have waited to bring up Giovanni Vinci, a.k.a. Fabian Eichner, for when Gunther would win the title back in this hypothetical situation. That would make the debut of Vinci at least more impactful than what it was tonight. I don't know what that was with the four seconds brawling. I Again, I just think that's like yakety sacks hour stuff. It's just kind of cringy. Anyway, I'd go four and a quarter. 
on Gunther Sheamus. Great match, but in the grand scheme, this show could have used a nice babyface story. Uh, Matt Riddle was certainly not going to provide a nice babyface story for anyone on this evening. Uh, This is a man whose own family doesn't want him, as we now know, and he seems to have lost a significant amount of fan support. A good part of me doesn't feel bad for Riddle in the least. You know why. But wasn't this a guy who eight weeks ago people told me shouldn't have lost to Reigns? I joked in our Facebook group that even after this match, which, by the way, as a grudge match, was totally inferior to Seamus Gunther, despite having the advantage of having an actual grudge behind it, uh, WWE's probably going to still run a rematch here with Riddle and Rollins. It's pretty clear that Rollins is trending to a shot at Reigns later in the year. God help us. Now, Edge and Rey Mysterio, as we move to a different match here, that Edge and Rey, they were, of course, tag team champions in this promotion 20 years ago. They did get a babyface win, thanks to help from Dominic, who then immediately turned on his father and Edge. Uh, the gif of Balor laughing is amusing, but I reckon Balor won't be so gregarious when he next checks the Judgment, the judgment Day spot on the uh, WWE depth chart. What a JTTS team he and Damian Priest are. Uh, Rhea Ripley, clearly the centerpiece of that act, and I really was serious on our last pod that I'd love to see her pin edge at some point. Sadly, and this is a pretty dire thought, we will almost certainly be getting Edge versus Dominic in the near future. Edge does keep getting great reactions, even if I don't understand why. He tries when he could coast. I'll give him that. Dom also did get good heat for his turn, for the record. It's going to be interesting to see, moving forward, if the crowd's building desire, budding desire, whatever, to boo him results in good heat moving forward. I think Dom still has a long way to go in the ring. He has regressed uh, rather horribly over the last two years. Now, there's a baby face that won on this card I don't really endorse so much, and that would be Liv Morgan. I talked about this on Facebook a little bit. Sorry, gang. I I just do not buy her in the role of champion. It's telling that right now Ronda's been on ice, Becky's hurt, Charlotte's still out, Sasha MIA. You know, obviously Liv is inferior um, in the championship role compared to her raw counterpart, Bianca Belair. And it just feels like when some of those aforementioned women start coming back, the Beckys, the Charlottes, you know, Ronda starts working again. Maybe Sasha comes back in the fold. Liv's just going to get pushed to the side. And I really can't argue that she shouldn't be. Uh, this match, I don't know. It was there. I I didn't really care too much going in. Figured Liv was going over. They didn't do a ton um, to really suck me in. They were trying out there. Uh, I should make note that Shayna Baszler, who I am a big fan of, had an arm man paying tribute to her friend Alan Dinkinson who just passed away and was profiled in the most rest, uh, most recent Wrestling Observer newsletter. Check that out if you want to learn more about him. Now, I think we all believe the heel team should have won the opener, and they did. Going in, I thought the match was slightly hurt by Io Sky and Dakota Kai not winning the tag belts on Monday. This match was basically just a collection of moves. You know, what WWE fans criticize non-WWE wrestling for being, except those matches are almost always better than this. I can't really complain, though. Bailey uh, handing Bianca her first TV pinfall, pinfall loss of 2022. That's what we said should happen. It did. Uh, thought it should have been built to a little bit better over the course of the match. Obviously, Bianca Bailey is the direction moving forward. They got that part right. And like I said, Bailey needed to pin Bianca, especially after 
you know, her group did not win the women's tag team titles. That gives them something to do now moving forward, makes them look strong. So as I wrap this show up, it's going to be a short one. Like I said, it's just me tonight. And I just, you know, wrote this stuff down. These are just some quick thoughts. Wanted to share them with you. I remind you of something I discussed two weeks ago on Top Rope Nation. The show, ironically enough, where I was burying AEW's booking. WWE is at their best when they can deliver a big show, not necessarily a good story. And today was a big show. I'd go B, B minus as a grade if you're interested in that. And a big show is fine. It's desirable, certainly. It's a stated goal. It's what this company wants to do. Except the issue is WWE always insists they tell good stories, which they really do not. But in the end, none of my criticisms probably matter, though. To the modern WWE fan, it probably is just all about the big show. More, not Paul White, uh, the big show, obviously, you know, like what we see, 62 plus thousand people in a stadium. And that's, to WWE fans, it's more about that than good guys beating bad guys. It's about seeing stars. And they see a lot of these guys, particularly Reigns, as stars. Who cares if Drew is Lex Luger, if Roman is the bigger star? Anyway, for me, I'm just going to go to bed right now, I think, and dream about that time Bret Hart beat Davey Boy Smith at SummerSlam 92 and Davey sang with Lennox Lewis afterwards. Peace. Peace.